This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London, top of the league podcast. Yay! Yay! That's the first time I have ever said that. Well, I should have said top of the championship podcast, actually, because in all my 40 plus years of supporting Brentford, this is the highest position we have ever been. We have never been, if I remember rightly, correct me if I'm wrong, but we have never been top of the championship. We've never been top of the second tier. We have never been this lofty. I am getting all, oh, I'm afraid of heights. I'm looking down and I'm getting scared now. Like, you know, this has been a tremendous night. We have just watched the bees beat Reading. I was going to be a bit more respectful, you know, it's 3-1. We did take them apart, but they were a very good side. So I've just seen bees. Pete Redding. I'm a very happy person, so I thought I'd come into the virtual lounge. I've got my pint of beer, Brewdog Nanny State, 0%. So I'm still keeping it level. And I'm having going to have a right laugh this evening with my chums in the house. And I've got the Allard in the house. How are you, the Allard? Yeah, I'm very good, Bill. Um, it was uh, one of those nights where... It, the game sort of swung, didn't it? It, it? it swung one way and then it swung the other. And um, yeah, top of the league. We are top of the league. It's um, We yeah, are top, top of, of the league, league indeed. But How does it feel? It feels great. It, it feels great. I'd rather, I was looking at match played 46 than 28. But um, I don't suppose you could do much better than that for where we, you know, where we are now. So all good. All good indeed. And also we've got a bit of a swap out. We swapped out one Liberal for another Liberal. The last time I heard the Liberal on this podcast, he was he was throwing all sorts of numbers and figures and mathematics at us. And we thought we'd get him back in the room to ask him exactly what was going, going on. But we'll ask him about that later because, first of all, the Liberal, I bet you're delighted that we are top of the league, aren't you? We are top of the league, see. We are top of the league. I, I cannot, <laughs> cannot, cannot tell you how happy I am. Actually, just to correct your intro, Bill, I think we have been top of the championship in August um, one year, but I can't quite remember. Uh, but I think... We played half a match or something like that. Possibly, at the time. yeah, that's right. Yeah, But I mean, it all counts, it all counts. But I'm like, Matt, let's, let's wait till the end of the season. I've got to ask a question, first of all, here, Liberal, because, I mean, you live very far away from all the rest of us. And uh, when you look out your window, what do you see? 
at this precise moment in time, absolute darkness. There is nothing <laughs> okay, to but see. Just normally, during oh, the day, what do you see? Uh, a few sheep. Uh, that's it. A couple of cows. Uh, a few ponies. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. the fact is that if you, you know, if we... We've got top of the league. So tomorrow, I mean, you could actually, you know, you, the feeling that you have when you get this rush of blood to the head when you get up, you can actually run out of your house completely naked and run for about five miles and no one will see you. Am I correct? Uh, almost. Yeah, that's right. Although the postie might. And the postie is actually a bit of a Brentford fan on the quiet. Um, he doesn't go, but he all, we always has a chat about Brentford. If he's dropping me off some tickets or something, and he, he would always ask about the bees. And tomorrow, I bet you he knocks on my door and says, "Good result last night, wasn't it?" Yeah. So, 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 so tomorrow when you're 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 running around the fields at eight o'clock in the morning with no clothes on, celebrating, going, "We are top of the league!" Like you know, as you do, your postman will probably going to be sort of kind of raising his eyebrows. Is that right? Why are we discussing your fantasies on this podcast? <laughs> it's not my fantasies at all, liberal. But I'm just saying to you is that what do you do when your team goes top of the league? For me, it's like a little bit strange because we kind of like you always like you, you want to be top of the league, and all of a sudden we're here. And then you've kind of opened a beer and we're chatting and we're very happy, but you, you kind of want to do something else. You want to do more. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, don't you? no, I do. Absolutely. But I, I'm really here, happy chatting here with my mates. Cup, cup of Lapsang Souchong in my hand. You know, I mean, oh, no. it's all is right with the world tonight. All is right okay. with the world. And, and you know what, Bill? I think, I think Nick may have had a point because on the first game of the 2018-19 season, we beat Rotherham 5-1. And I, I don't remember for sure, but you'd imagine that could have put us top of the league that day. You see, come to me for the stats. We do, and I tell you something. It's obviously that's done. That's done. That little stint has done you the world of good, liberal, and I think we might have to come to you every single week. But anyway, we've got somebody else in the house who hasn't been here for a while, but he's a long-standing member of the podcast crew. The original podcast crew is on the very first podcast, podcast number one. Uh, he's from Holland. Well, he's not really from Holland, but we say that he is. We've got the Dutchman in the house. How are you, the Dutchman? I'm very well, thanks, Billy. I am just really quite worried that you guys have changed since I was last on here. We've just gone top of the league, and you're drinking Nanny State, the Liberals on his Lapsong Chu Chaw, whatever it is, tea. The Allard is my only hope. <laughs> I'm sorry that I've let the side down, uh, uh, the Dutchman. But you know, I, I thought I've got to save it for the end of the season, really. Like you know, so that's that's. I thought that's the best way. But the thing is also, like I said to you, I like to see myself level-headed, and I, I, I also want to be responsible. Like you know, and also one doesn't have to have a, a, a skin full of drink to enjoy oneself, does he? Yeah, <laughs> not a, a skin full, just the odd celebratory glass, perhaps. Yeah, that's true. Actually, maybe I might have to just. I might have to just Maybe maybe during the break I might pop one open. But anyway, listen, guys, we are all here. We're very happy. We are top of the league. We've actually got a lot of things to discuss today. So last time we went into a really long intro and we talked about all sorts of stuff. But this time, what we're going to do, we're going to pull it back a little bit. We're going to go off. We're going to have a little break. I'm going to pop into the fridge and see what else is in my fridge. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that fantastic Reading game. Brentford 3. Reading won, or should it be the other way around? Reading won, Brentford three. Another absolutely, as we say, teething tremendous result from the Bees. Once again, we thought that we'll give the opposition a little bit of a helping hand, and we gave them a relatively early goal, and we had to come from behind. And, you know, it was what's it, the fifth game in the row that we've actually done this. I've got to ask the question, Dutchman. When we went behind in this game and Reading, you know, a difficult team to play against, were you nervous this time? 
Yes, I think so. Um, it was clear straight away that the team weren't in any way panicking the way perhaps that I was. Um, and in fact, I think Reading dropped back 10 yards fairly quickly, which played into our hands a little bit um, because up until they scored, they were pretty impressive, I thought, uh, and gave us a, a bit of a torrid time. Um, so not not worried because you know we're capable of scoring and I think that, that remains the big difference between this current team. Um, you know, not only have we got a, a goal scorer who's scoring bucket loads, but the goals are coming from the rest of the team as well at the same time. You know, it's not it's not one or the other now, it's it's both. Um, so always confident that we could score. Um, but, you know, they, they look good, Reading. And I think, as you said quite rightly, that is a teething tremendous result um, and really does set us up nicely now. I mean, the Allard, again, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, four, is it five games in a row we've gone behind, we've had to do the hard work. Uh, I think the positive out of it, though, is that we don't seem to panic. We, we haven't got them panic buttons again. And today we could have easily gone into panic mode, but we didn't do that, did we? No, we didn't, and um, and like Dutch said, uh, we seem to be the team seems to be better at it than we are. Um, I wasn't so panicked about them scoring a goal because um, it, it was a penalty, and, and we probably discussed whether it was or it wasn't. But it, ultimately, they scored from it. I, I, I was more worried about the fact that they looked strong, um, and I felt that that certainly in the first ten or fifteen minutes, they were just it was wave after wave of sort of Reading attack. Albeit looking back on it, they might not have created a whole lot, but it felt like. I didn't think we were going to get a foothold in the game, um, you know. And, and to be honest, it's fair to say that we didn't really we didn't get control of the game until the last twenty minutes. There's no doubt about that. We probably didn't get a foothold in the game until fifteen twenty minutes in. To be honest, do you think? I mean, do you think? I know it sounds really bad, but do you think that was a as a plan to a certain extent? I mean, we went behind to a goal. They can argue to say to say it was a penalty. So you know, if the penalty wasn't given, then it would have been nil all at half time, or maybe if we got a goal, we'd have been one ahead. But you know, for me, Thomas Frank always seems to have this plan. Whereas you know, if we can keep it even until sort of 60, 65, 70 minutes, then we just take it up a couple of notches, which is what we did today. And for me, I'm just wondering whether or not, to be honest, we were sort of quite happy letting Reading play like they played, and then we just kind of just defended it. Um, I don't think it was a plan to let them camp in our half for the first six or seven minutes, which is what they did. Uh, you, uh, when that happens, then you just have to sort of play your way out of it, don't you? Because if you go into sort of panic mode and start lumping long balls, you know, but it's, it, that's not the way to do it. You just have to try and get some time on the ball yourself, get the players into the game. And I, and I guess gradually that's what happened during the first half. And, and it was almost like, you know, it was like an improvement curve that sort of went, it was flat and then it flat and then it just went up a little bit and a little bit and then towards the end it was on a massive great curve and I suppose in a lot of respects that's how to win a game of football the only thing is if you if you go two or three down you're probably not coming back from it and talking about going two or three down let's talk about going one down because uh, they got a penalty um, again you know relatively early on in the game it was one of those scenarios where you know when the penalty is given I, I could feel the sort of kind of this universal TWA oh no not again situation um, which happened and it was because we'd given away a spot kick or a you know a set piece you know in and around the edge of the area except for this time it wasn't in and around the edge of the area it was smack bang right in the middle of the penalty area and uh, but the question is because there's a few little frames of uh, of of that of that flying around was it a penalty liberal what do you what's your thoughts on that i think if you actually slowed down the um 
the, the video frames and took it frame by frame, it actually showed that the Reading player kicked, kicked the ground. But, I mean, you know, you absolutely had to look at it so carefully that, you know, referee can't be um, forgiven for, for, for giving that penalty view from where the referee was. I think, you know, it looked like Dalsgaard, Henrik touched him. He went down. I mean, you know, and fair fair play, he got he got the penalty. What we could talk about was Rare almost getting his hand and saving on it, which probably if he'd saved it, it was justified. But going back to your point, Bill, I just... I've stopped worrying if we go one get one nil down. I mean, you just know that this team is going to go on and score two two goals or three goals or as many goals as they need to score to win a match. Um, and that was, you know, the, the goal went in. The Reading scored their penalty. You thought, damn and blast. But then you suddenly thought, doesn't matter. We're going to score more than them. We'll win. Yeah, it was weird with the penalty because actually initially I thought it was a penalty because of the way the guy went down. It didn't look like a dive to me. It looked like... It looked like it had been clipped by Dowsgaard. And then when you look back at it, I just couldn't work out why he went down like he did. And I don't know, it, you see the slow motion. I wondered if maybe he caught Dowsgaard's knee or something with his with his back lift. Or maybe, like you said, he kicked the ground and went over. It just it, it You can't really see anything in the replays that suggests there was much coming together at all. But, but when I watched it in real time, and when I watch it again in real time, I keep thinking it looks like a penalty. It's a weird one. Next year, of course, we'll probably have the benefit of VAR to just make all the decisions for us so we won't have to discuss this. Counting chickens, Liberal, we can't be having that at the moment now. Let's just leave that to the end of the season, the Dutchman. I was going to say, I think what worries me slightly is we do seem to get the wrong side of defend, of attackers in those positions. It was it was similar to, um, I think, a Fosu penalty earlier in the season and one or two others outside where we're coming in from behind uh, in a position where I'd rather be side on or, or in front. So we're giving referees an opportunity to make that decision, uh, I think. I think that was a particularly soft one. But again, like the couple of free kicks in the recent games uh, out wide, we, we gave the referee the opportunity to give it. And that's probably um, something we need to cut out. But we're picking hairs, really, if that's all we've got to moan about. Well, is that all that we've got to moan about? I mean, you're talking about sort of kind of free kicks. Um, talk about set pieces. I mean, our set pieces... There's a few question marks about our set pieces, whether it be corners, whether it be free kicks. The Allard, I mean, you, you picked up on a few things here. I mean, I, I heard a lot of people were really moaning that we couldn't beat the first man. We were trying these really clever corners and really clever free kicks and it didn't seem to be coming off. Did you see it that way, the Allard? With the corners, I think the free kicks are a little bit different, but with the corners, all I saw was that we were trying to hit the first man, but we wanted the first man to be one of our players, not one of their players. Um, and that could be the fault of the person taking the free kick, or it could be the fault of whoever's supposed to be running in Dalsgaard, I think normally, um, to actually you know be the first man. And it was, and it kept getting cut out. That that move got cut out. Um, and you know, get all I saw was get Jensen off penalties and, and sorry, not penalties off corners. And then we did. And then Janelt takes one, and all he does is just pass it to their goalkeeper. But he doesn't get the same stick because their goalkeeper's in what's known as the danger area. But the, realistically, we weren't going to score from that either. So I just think that tonight they didn't come off. But, but like I've said on, on previous podcasts before, we scored far more goals from near post headers from corners this season than we probably have in the last four put together. So I, I just think it's something we're trying to execute. And tonight we didn't execute particularly well. But I mean, I mean that as a team rather than Jensen. Yeah, I think Jensen is... Um... 
is frustrated with those because it does look bad when the third or fourth one goes into exactly the same spot. I mean, I, I bow down to the Allard's superior tactical nous, uh, the mine. To me, they just look like pretty poor free kicks, if I'm being honest, um, <laughs> that just made the same mistake time and time again. Um, but, you know, he's that sort of player, isn't he? And he picked up in the last 20 minutes. Uh, and yeah, when his passing comes off, he adds a dimension that no one else does to that team. But um, it, it can be filed under frustrating sometimes. But uh, I'd love to know if that free kick is deliberate, Matt. Um, I'll, I'll go against you on that one. I, I think the free kick is different, but the corners, you're right, he kept putting it in the same spot. But, but So my argument would have to be if he keeps putting it in the same spot, that must be what he's trying to do. I mean, you could say, yeah, I mean, the problem with that, though, is that how how long is it until you say, well, this plan isn't working, so we should get a plan B on it? I mean, I know, you know, we don't work in plan A and plan Bs, but, but with those kicks, it, it does get frustrating. And you and you, you wonder how many times that they're told to keep on doing it before they need to change up the system. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think, you know. Tonight, I think, was four before Janelt got his chance to take a corner and he passed their goalkeeper. So, you know, I, I think it's something we try and execute. I think, I think Jensen then took the next corner and then he went far post and Pinnock tried to head it back. It didn't quite come off. Um, but to me, I, I think we take corners. We score Our goals from corners come from near post flick-ons or they come from far post knobbacks. We don't particularly score from corners when we just lump it into, the, into what's known as the danger area or whatever around the keeper. Uh, we, we must have scored six or seven from corners this season, maybe. And it's been three or four from near posts and three or four from headbacks by Pinnock. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to execute those, I, I believe. Well, you know, we're doing pretty good without, with it, without him, but also probably we could be doing better with him. Uh, just, I'm gonna, this is Props Corner, as, as we did in the podcast last week. We, you know, we, we, we were out with the XG and in with the manners. And like I said to you, when we do the manners, we like to give, you know... We like to give a little bit more credence and props as well to, you know, to, to fellow teams out there in the league. I know that there's a lot of teams out there that don't necessarily like doing that and lots of fans that don't necessarily like doing that. But we think it's important to give props and we're giving props to Reading because I thought Reading were actually tremendous in the first half. Most definitely, they were, they were, I thought they were scary. They were worrying. I thought that they could score goals at any time. They were moving the ball really fast. They were passing really well. Switching the ball out to the wing. You know, all these incisive passes. You know, at any stage, you know, something could have come off. It didn't quite go on. I think it was, I think it was good for Brentford as well. And I think tip the hat to Brentford that we also stopped them probably from playing their game where... I mean, I speak to my wedding chums all the time. You know, your Tyler's then, your, 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 you know, the Elm, Elm Street Royals crew and everything like that. And, um, you know, I speak to them all the time and they say that, you know, when they're really good, when they're good, they're very, very good. And it's almost one of those scenarios that if you, if you get Reading on a very, very good day, you have to worry. Just like when teams play us, when we're absolutely completely on fire, you have to worry about it. And I think that, I think we... This, Big props to Brentford for probably stopping them also playing their game and not necessarily letting them completely and utterly rip us apart. But I thought they were very good, didn't you, the Allard? Yeah, I, I did. I think I thought they were strong. I think, um, I mean, I've been wrongly accused of criticising them on the last podcast. Um, there was a liberal get together where, you know, you know, like when political parties, when when they've said something, then they have to blame it on somebody else. And um, the liberals got together and managed. Managed to blame me for it. I noticed. Um, but, um, but having said that, I, I, I'll also say that I, I wasn't convinced by Reading earlier in the season. 
Um, I think when they played us, I thought, mm, OK, they're not that bad. And, and I thought tonight, I thought they were a very good side. And I think they, were, you know, they definitely should have their sights set on the top four or five, without a doubt. Um, let's hope they're not going to get into the top two sort of side of things. But I don't see them. I'm sure they're going to be in the playoffs or around the playoffs for absolute certain. Oh, listen, they can get in the top two if they want to, as long as we're, as long as we're in the top two as well, that's to be honest, fine. As long as they beat other teams in, in the top two, that would be fine as well. That's right, you know that one as well. I went to see, I, I mean, I saw the Norwich-Swansea game last Friday, and <clears throat> so having seen Swansea play, play twice, two, two leading teams twice in, in, in the space of a few days, and then compared Swansea and Norwich and Reading today, um, I thought Reading were, were ahead of above Swansea definitely uh, were probably as good as Norwich if not better actually Norwich seemed to be relying on one or two players who if they go missing Norwich themselves are in a bit of a bad run of form um, Swansea lost again tonight to Manchester City in the cup I don't know I didn't see what team they put out or um, what have you but um, I wouldn't I would think Reading are in with a fair shout of actually being um, challenging for one of the top two positions, or one, or one of the two positions that gains you automatic oh, promotion, because <laughs> one of them might already. Yeah, I, I thought um, they, they were good. This I thought game. they were comfortable on the ball. Um, I thought their players wanted the ball. Um, they were creative. Um, perhaps not quite as many clear-cut chances for them as you would have thought if you watched the game back. Um, but certainly some tricky players and, and quite good to watch, um, which again just shows how good our performance was. And for every good player on their side, you could match them with a, probably a, a, an equal or better one on ours. Uh, and, you know, to, to beat Middlesbrough and Reading away in the space of a few days comfortably um, really is a statement. The key for Reading is that they must hold on to their manager. Don't they shouldn't panic. They should allow, give the manager time, their manager head coach time to build the team and to and to take them on. So if they don't go up this year, they can be strong challengers next year. And you know, too many of these teams are hoping for instant success. Hopefully, Reading will uh, learn from us about the necess- necessity of taking time to give your head coach time to build a good team. Yeah, well, we'll see about that in the future. But you know, just coming back to this game, um, it was one all at half time, and uh, Brentford. Kept it tight, kept it tight, and then bang, they just notched it up a few levels. Uh, Canos came on uh, for Bumo, and all of a sudden, the, 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 the game changed. You could see the game changing. Canos is injecting his energy into the game, um, and, and, and we just lifted as a side, and we looked like a different team, didn't we, the Elod? Yeah, he gave, us, he gave us a lot of energy, didn't he? Just when things possibly needed to, we needed to step up a level again, didn't we? And and I think it's we always have a jack-in-the-box sort of thing to bring on, don't we? We got, And that's the way I think we should manage the three players. It's what I said last week. You've got Canos, you've got Fosso, you've got Embremo. Um, one of them can come on and replace one of the others with 30 minutes to go. You've got fresh legs. And um, I, think it's, I don't think we need to argue about which is the best two out of those three. I think we should just enjoy watching all three of them. Um, yeah, Matt and I, when we went on our perfectly legal, socially distanced walk at the weekend, discussed exactly that point. Um, and he's absolutely right it doesn't matter which is the first choice or second choice or third choice the energy you get when you you bring one of those on uh, changes a game and I, I thought Canos today actually is cameo in the last 25 minutes whatever it was I thought it was probably as good as I've seen him play to be honest I, I thought he absolutely changed that game with his dynamic 
um, and, and getting amongst them. And I think you know, whoever we bring on in that situation is going to add that. And that's that's credit to Frank for you know the rotation that I think we can all start to see the logic of some of those um, rotating policies that perhaps we weren't quite so sure about or, or confident about at the start of the season. And he's you know really proved to be an astute judge in how he's managing those players. Uh, and swapping them up and keeping them all highly motivated and all desperate to contribute. Brahma Bremer, though, can be a frustrating character, and I think he was pretty frustrating for us in the first half. I mean, you know, I don't not not knock him or or having a go in any way, but he just sometimes seems to lack confidence. And I think if only he could get an extended run where he really can put in a few assists and a few goals, I think he would be really. An all-round team player at the moment, as opposed to three quarters of a team player. It, it's an interesting point, actually, Nick, because you could you could have made that argument for Canos, couldn't you? Ten games into the season, and Absolutely. and to be fair, um, Thomas Frank did exactly what you just said should happen to Bremo and Bremo is that he absolutely he just stuck by Canos when we were even I was saying he probably needs to be taken out of the firing line. To be honest, um, so I. I and Br- Bremo's gonna he's he's not gonna be benched for the next five games or anything like that. He'll he'll start games and um and hopefully the more he gets you know, the more he gets a run out and gets football back into his legs and stuff. He had a little bit of a break, didn't he? A couple of games out, um the better, you know, the the more he'll make he'll make a contribution to the team. Let's check out what really went on in that game by checking a little bit of numbers, bit of stats. We've got Will, the spreadsheet winker, he's back. He was on. Was it last week? But now he's back in his little den. He's got his computers out. He's got his numbers. He's crunched some numbers. And he's going to tell us exactly what went down in that Reading game. Here's a spreadsheet. Winker. Here's a winker. And it does seem good like it pretty well should be. Here's a winker. So let's have a look at the Reading game then. In terms of XG, Beast had 0.85 and Reading had 1.23 of which 0.78 was the penalty. So most analysts use non-penalty XG to analyse a team's performance, and on that metric we beat Reading comfortably. Having said that, it was an astonishingly clinical performance from the Bees, typified by Josh De Silva's two goals. His 0.07 XG first was in the 36th minute, and was vintage Josh, a driving run from the middle third followed by a cut inside onto his left foot, and you know the rest. The thing which stood out for me with this goal was the strength that he showed in getting past the Reading defenders, who were jockeying him and not at all standing off. Josh's second came 50 minutes later and was an 11% chance. Matthias Janssen's cross into the deep was chested down expertly by Ivan Tony, showcasing again his incredible hold-up play before Josh slotted home from the six-yard box. Two goals from less than 0.2 xG, a healthy slice of luck for Josh but also some high-class finishing on display. B's third was our biggest chance of the game and our only attempt of more than 0.11 xG. It came from Ivan Tony, not content with his two assists, who ran into the box and slotted home after a shot from Canos was blocked by the Reading keeper. It was an instinctual striker's goal and a 57% chance just because of the position of the goalkeeper. So from an offensive perspective, it was a successful day, but if you'd asked me that in the 80th minute, I wouldn't have said so. At that point, we were on 0.15 xG and hadn't had an attempt on goal since De Silva's equaliser. So it goes to show just how fit we were to be able to score two quick attacking goals that late in the game, rather than just relying on set pieces or individual brilliance like we might have done last season. Defensively, I thought this was an excellent performance from the Bees, limiting Reading to only four shots in the penalty area, aside from the penalty, the biggest chance of those being 13%. Vitaly Janot led the Bees in tackles and interceptions again, showing how crucial he is to screening our back four 
and preventing high-pressure situations for them. We also got better defensively throughout the match, with only one of Reading's four shots in our box coming in the second half. Instead, they were forced to shoot from long distances with low XG and didn't really threaten like they did in the first half. This for me was a statement win, and despite the fact that we lost the XG battle for the second game running, only due to a dubious penalty, it means that we well beat one of the best, most free-flowing attacking sides in the division. So, Wild or Spreadsheet Winker. And, um, like I said, the main thing, I suppose, that comes out from that, as he said, you know, we were outshaded on the XG again, 1.23 to 0.85, I think it was. But you have to bear in mind that, like I said to you, they had a penalty. So, outside of the penalty... Not very many clear chances. They played some great football, Reading, but not many very clear chances. And we had, obviously, more clear chances that, that we did, and we converted them all. So um, we did a very good job. I mean, you know, just coming back, like I said to you, Will's given, given the vibe on that one. And like I said to you, the clinical Brentford is kind of what it's really all about with us at the moment now. Looking at the tables up there, and like I said to you, this is the time when we, you know, we bring the tables up. We are top of the championship which is the first thing if you look at the slope graph to see where we are expected compared to where they expect us to be Brentford are number one in the XG with Watford at two Middlesbrough three Norwich four Bournemouth five and Cardiff six currently we're first and forecast we're first as well which is the first time that I have seen that straight line going across which is making me feel very very good looking at the players out there for the bees you know the star man was De Silva as we know played very well Ivan Tony um, this is on who scored dot com 8.7 Ivan Tony got an 8.2 as well and then other than that we had Jen up with a 7.3 you know we had a Pennock with a 7.1 you know we had a Henry with a 6.5 you know just giving you a vibe as to where we are we had some players who had some very good games but everyone else was good enough to try and keep Reading um, at bay as it was Jao on a 7.3 for 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 Reading was their was their top man in that game as well. Elise on the seven, you know, Samido the six point four. I was telling me my Reading chums were telling me that you know that that that, that Swift being out was and Maite being out as well had really hampered their game. You know, I know we can all say that because we're going to be missing players, and they would have loved to see what it'd been like if we had gone toe to toe with two full strength sides. But that's the way it goes. We dealt with them as it is. I mean, stats wise, you know. It's all coming out in our favour at the moment, isn't it, the Allards? Um, yeah, it is. And, um, you know, Nick will probably... Nick might make an argument that the only stat that counts is the fact we're top of the league at the moment. Um, <laughs> my, you know, you, you put me on first for this bit, so I'll, I'll, I'll counter the argument before he makes it. And, uh, <laughs> my counter-argument will be... Say we are top of the league. Say we my my counter-argument is that when we were in fifth or sixth, but the numbers still look good... Um, whereas Nick was saying we should switch to four four two or do something different or whatever, I was saying stick with it, we're fine. Um, and, and that's why it's useful to be able to see how you're actually performing away from actually, you know, the points that you've got um, from the games you've played. So, you know, yeah, that, that's my counter argument to, to Nick's inevitable um, bit coming up. We have scored 17 goals in 14 days. We are top of the league. We have beaten some very good sides. What more statistics do you need to show that we are in the right position? Goals win games. And, you know, I number crunched last week and I thought to myself, why am I doing this? We won. Why am I bothering with it? 
you know, we score more goals than the opposition, therefore we are higher up the table than anybody else. But, but Nick, 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 if you were a long ball team, if, if sorry, if you were the manager, you'd have turned us into a long ball team in November. That's what you were calling for. <laughs> well, I, no, 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 no. Uh, yes. I think what I said yes. was that we, I think <laughs> what we said is that we occasionally need to, need to vary it up. And quite obviously, you know, Jensen's free kicks today showed us that we probably are trying to vary things up a bit, you know. I feel like every time I come on this pod, we have the, we have the same discussion every time I come on. Um, <laughs> we're still, you know, two years down the line explaining the virtues of, of XG. Um, yeah, and, I, and I remain somewhere in the middle of, of um, the Allard and the Liberal, which is not always a pleasant thought. Um, but, it, you know, it, it emphasises what we already know. Um, you know, so I, I fully get the value of them. I think we all know that Middlesbrough at the weekend wasn't really a 4-1. But, of course, the Liberal says it was. Um, tonight probably wasn't a 3-1 um, but you know it, of course it shows some value and, and adds value to it but the only stat that matters is that we're top I'm never quite sure on those marks out of 10 for the players and, and what they do really I haven't seen tonight's one yet what did they give Raya for today as an example he got a 6.7 for today 6.7 so I, I thought I thought yeah. it was immaculate again today um, with, with less to do you know less obvious saves today but he's passing um, you know his control from the back, the tempo that he brings to the team, um, but you know the speed in which he rolls it out, and he came out for those crosses. Uh, I thought I thought he also was exceptional. Yeah, interesting. The pl- a, a player who got pelters from, I well, say pelters, and again, you know, from uh, who scored This is their scores as, as Fosu, who actually got a five point eight as well as 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 he went off, which is a bit of a that's quite an ouch score for for Brentford. Yeah, I, to be honest, I, I, I think those are the, they're kind of generated, aren't they, by a number of touches, passes, how accurate the passes are. Um, I'm not really sure how Raya gets measured, probably not so much on how accurate his passes are. I don't, I don't pretend to be an expert on that. So I sort of take them with a bit of a pinch of salt, if I'm, if I'm brutally honest. Um, I think, I think, I think they can be, they, they can be good, but, but they, but they heavily sort of value assists and goals, don't they? So Tony would be high because of that. Um, but but it could have been that he was in the right place for for two parts of the game and didn't do much else, you know. So I I, I don't I don't value them too much. Worth also mentioning how much Fosu has come on in the last few weeks as well. He really has, um, you know, developed into the <clears throat> a, a name you would put down almost first on the team sheet. You know, him, Ivan, and JDS are probably three names that you would have thought right need to start every single game. Outfield players that is because you still keep rare in goal. I mean, what is interesting as well tonight was the way that Reading... I mean, I wondered whether teams would now start to really jostle and hustle rare at um, corners and set pieces um, because uh, it's quite plain that that is, that is the one weakness that he has, again, with a small W rather than a large W. Um, and I, I was surprised that Reading didn't attempt at least once because they've got some big players. They, they put the ball into that area. Um, Raya took quite a few, I think, corners... Um, that, that were basically put in that area, but Reading didn't really seem to have the players in there. Whether or not something happened earlier in the game and the referee warned them, I've got no idea. But, but uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Barnsley do on Sunday. And just giving a little breakdown again on that match, you know, what we were very good at, we were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities through individual skill. We were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from the flanks as well. We were strong at finishing. And what we did is we gave a lot of free kicks 
around the box away and that is, seems to be one of our weaknesses at the moment for Reading you know they sell the ball a lot from the opposition and are effective creating goal scoring opportunities through individual skill and they actually had no weaknesses so it just goes to show you as well that you know Reading maybe on another day they might have you know found themselves a little bit luckier and and, and got a, you know an extra goal on the on, on you know on, on on the cards then and it would have been a different situation altogether just one other thing like I said we need to go into as well which we like to do especially when you're top of the league you know we just want to go into 538 to see exactly what they see for the rest of the season Brentford at the top of their predicted league end of the season we've got 57 points at the moment they predict us to get 90 at the end of the season 87% chance of promotion and 60% chance of winning the championships is that 60 or is that 80 percent you know he's got his, he's got his glasses on here now he's just trying to sort of see what's going on here <laughs> it looks like it's 60 percent of uh of, of of the championship and then we've got norwich in second place um they've got 55 points at the moment now 85 so five points behind us at the end of the season um 50 62 percent chance of promotion and 22 percent chance of championships so they're actually a good sort of kind of 40 40 percent behind us now so they they've got us very clear then you've got swansea third you know we're finishing on 82 points for Watford fourth finishing on 77 Reading fifth finishing on 74 and Bournemouth sixth finishing on 73 and their percentage of winning the championships are one and two and four percent and stuff like that so it's interesting to see again how things are panning out again this is all just what the statisticals these stats people have thrown into their computers and we're not saying it's necessarily going to be the case but what we are pleased about is that we are in the position as they say so uh we are in a good place, everybody. I can see everybody here sitting there, sort of kind of smiling. Probably a little bit nervous, but, you know... Five points better off than Leeds were last season. At this stage of the season, five points better off than Leeds. Well, those are the kind of stats that we do love. Tell you something, you you learned a lot from sitting in that chair last week, didn't you, Liverpool? I did. So, I yeah, did. so this is all good. So, I'm feeling, I'm feeling that as well. Like I said to you, we... The nerve that we have as a Brentford fan that you're worried about being sort of kicked off the chair when you're at the top of the pile, when you're at the top of the Christmas tree, you know, you're always going to be there to be shot at. However, I think looking at the way that we've been playing, the way that we've been so resilient, the way that we've come back, the way that, you know, the confidence, the way when we scored that goal and the whole bench and the final whistle when everyone went berserk. There's something about Brentford this season, which is I just think that we are we have got it. We've got something going on. Yeah, I think there's um, a real difference this year that every point matters right from the start. I think, you know, none of this, let's leave it late. None of it, let's go. Every single point, every single three points matters. And I think that's a real difference this year. Indeed. So listen, we need to get a few more facts from our funky man, JB. JB's going to give us some facts and funk. And after he gives us some facts and funk, we're going to talk about some other stuff. Jonathan Bertrand here again. So against Reading, we extended our unbeaten run to 21 games. Even when we went the 19 unbeaten after the Bristol City result, Thomas Frank had already created a piece of history, as he was in charge for all 19 of those games. The run of 19 we had back in season 2013-14 came under two head coaches, with 8 under Uber Rossler and 11 with Mark Warburton. Next in sight is the unbeaten run of 26 from 1999, which was spread across two seasons, 16 in the fourth tier, Rodnode's promotion season, and 10 at the start of the following season. Ivan Tony getting another goal at Reading takes him to 23 for the season. 
In fact, in 80% of our previous league seasons, 23 goals would have made him the season's top goalscorer. The club's all-time record goalscorer is Jack Holiday with his 38 league goals in Division 3 South promotion season of 1932-33. Only the 32 from Steve Phillips in 1977-78 has come close in the last 60 years. So there you go, JB with his facts and his funk. The Dutchman, you like a bit of funk, don't you? I have been known. Um, I like all sorts, really, but funk, funk is fine. Um, to, but JB, socket to me, JB for me will always be a special song, I'm afraid. It's good. <laughs> you know your tunes, the Dutchman, as he sits there mellowly, drinking a glass of wine in celebration of the bees being top of the league. But anyway, JB there, it's interesting, you had a little bit of a conversation going there, because all of a sudden, like, Ivan Tony Luck said 23 goals, which normally would have been well and truly, like, you know, the top scorer in the league. I think, I think remember, there's one season where we, we, our top scorer got about eight goals, I remember, and we were really happy with that. So 23 goals, Ivan Tony, he's still motoring away. And uh, like I said, I, I did um second tier podcast this week, and uh, I was talking about raving about Ivan Tony, and I said to him that, you know, Ivan Tony, he's, you know, he's well on his way to beating Dean Holdsworth's 38 goals, you know, which I remembered from that season in 91-92. And JB's come up there with the facts and said, um, well, no, no he, I mean, Dean Holdsworth doesn't even come anywhere close, apparently. And I was a bit confused because I, I thought Dean Holdsworth scored 38 goals. What, what's going on there? Was it the Dutchman? I mean, does somebody know? I think Holdsworth's league goals were something like 24, um, if I remember rightly. Um, with plenty of goals in all the other cup competitions, the FA Cup, League Cup, Football League trophy, uh, and all sorts of nonsense, which came to a rather large total. But I think Tony has nearly caught him already in terms of league goals. Wow. So uh, so there you have it. So actually, uh, and that's something we didn't know. If you focus it down on league goals, Ivan Tony is fast becoming our highest league goal-scoring uh, person ever and also you've got you've got to bear in mind what league we're in as well you know because we're not in the fourth tier or the third tier we are in the second tier so which is all good so i love a bit of jb's fat and funk and it sounds and smells and tastes and listens even better when you're top of the league doesn't it <laughs> but anyway look we've got a game on Sunday I thought it was Saturday but now I checked out I thought what's going on here and then afterwards I listened to my man who gave us a little bit of a little rundown of what's going on in Barnsley and he told me that they've got a FA Cup game against Chelsea so as a result of that we're not playing on Saturday we're actually playing them at Sunday one o'clock kickoff so have that tuned in on your iFollow so uh, we're going to go up to Barnsley to go and speak to Carlo he's your favourite Dutchman. <laughs> See, he's a favourite Dutchman, but he doesn't know that we've got our favourite Dutchman already on this podcast. We've got Carlo from Red Report Podcast, and he's going to give us the lowdown on Barnsley. Hi, Billy. It's uh, it's Carlo, your favourite Dutchman, all the way from the People's Republic of South Yorkshire. Um, it's Carlo van der Watering from the Red Report. That's a weekly podcast and a weekly vlog. And you can get in contact with us through Twitter uh, by going to @redreport underscore. Bansley are doing all right, aren't they? Eh? 12th. Can you remember what happened on the last day of last season? Um, survival in the last couple of minutes. So this this is a huge improvement for us. Um, whereas before it was a constant battle to survive, we're now playing a decent style of football. 
don't get me wrong, we've had a, we've had a difficult January uh, with quite a few matches against the top teams in this division. And I suppose the draws and losses, if, if we can turn them into maybe a couple of wins and a couple of draws, will make a huge difference of us finishing mid-table or maybe even a little bit higher. You know what? The divorce from Gerhard Struber was a little bit like a nasty divorce played out in the public domain. Um, but we mustn't forget what he did. He did amazing in keeping us up and a lot of that had to do with the self-belief that he installed in the players. But, you know, if, if Gerhard Struber, right, if, if he was a BMW, then Valerian Ishmael is a Lamborghini. Um, he is just seven, eight notches above any coach that we've ever had. And I think the results and the way we're playing is, is, is definitely showing that. There is more intensity. There is even more self-belief. The amount of energy is amazing. And some of the players that we were worried about, could they cope, could they play for us in this division, are turning out to be some real, real stars. And he's turning a young, relatively inexperienced team into real championship-worthy contenders um, with some really good results. And like I said, we're 12th at the moment, and who knows where he can take us. January, for any Barnsley fan, is always a month of dread. Because historically, this is the month where we lose top performers. It always is. Previous years, we've seen Horahane go, we've seen Winnell go. Um, it's been different this, this, this month. All eyes were on Alex Mowat. Was he staying? Was he going? Normally within our club, if a player is in the last six months of his contract and he's not signed a new contract as yet, any bids that come in and the player is allowed to go. But this hasn't happened. I think partly because Alex Mowat likes it up north. And uh, he's a bit of a, a home bird, I suppose. Lives in Doncaster, played for Leeds, played for Barnsley, easy driving distances. He's settled up here. And there was a bid which has been turned down. Whilst he's not signed uh, another contract, it's a huge positive for us that for the remainder of this season, he will remain our captain. Players that were brought in, Liam Kitchen, relatively unknown defender from Forest Green Rovers, but you and I both know that what Forest Green Rovers do is they develop fantastic central defenders. Ethan Pinnock springs to mind. Clinton Morris was brought in. Striker never really got an opportunity at Norwich. Um, we've not seen much of him as yet. Uh, but we're hoping to in the next couple of days as we've got, I think it's six matches in about two and a half weeks. And a deadline day signing, somebody nobody had ever heard of. This is a young lad called Dylan, Dylan DK, played for Orlando in the American FLS, uh, MLS. Now, the day before he joined us, he made his full debut for the American uh, squad and what's probably helped us is having an American CEO in Dane Murphy he had a good playing career with DC United he was sporting director over there and of course having Billy Bean as part of the ownership of Barnsley FC well, that probably will have helped bring a very young exciting striker into the championship I know Brentford brought people in from the MLS Barnsley have done now so as well and this could well be a new market for Barnsley to explore um, rather than looking at the continent. The season so far has been interesting, hasn't it? I mean, it's typical that three out of the five top goal scorers in this division have all played for Barnsley. Tony, who you all well know, Adam Armstrong and Kiefer Moore. But I tell you, I've been impressed by. Tony is proving the Brentford way of replacing talent with talent. Out goes Ollie Watkins, it, in comes Ivan Tony, plus lots of money in the bank. He did it at Peterborough at that level, and lots of people doubted, could he do it at the championship level? Well, you know what? Brentford took the chance, and they're reaping the rewards, because what a player he is turning out to be. Um, 
a team that I suppose surprised me. I'm not really a team, but I tell you what, I'm really, really happy to see Conor Horahan firing in goals like he did for us and now for Swansea alone. It's my belief that this signing will see Swansea really, really challenge both Brentford and Norwich for one of those two top positions. An excellent signing, in my eyes, by Swansea. A bit in exile at Aston Villa, not really playing his part. He is 30 years old, he needs to play, but 3-3, three and three, you can't ask much more from a signing on deadline day. Who's disappointed me? Who's bad? Uh, this is a team rather than a player. Um... Sheffield Wednesday has one of the highest weight budgets, budgets and a really good history in this division. But I think the turmoil behind the scenes has now spilt over onto the pitch. Um, currently second from bottom. And whilst lots of Sheffield Wednesday fans will tell us that they had a point deduction, let's not forget, a 12-point point deduction was halved. So six points were taken off them. Even if we add those six points back on, they would only be in 19th at the moment. And for a team with the players they've got and the wages they're paying out, that's not good enough in anybody's book. So they are in real danger of being relegated to League One. Um, somebody who surprised me, well, it's a, it's a difficult one really, isn't it? Because you could go for all the players like the Kiefer Moores and the Armstrong. But somebody who's operating a little bit under the radar, 21 matches, 15 goals, is Lucas Zhao at Reading. We know of him when he played for Sheffield Wednesday and, you know, never really never present in that team. Um, but at Reading, he is uh, he's turning them into real, real playoff contenders. So you can the Justice League and you come in with the Manners League. Well, I tell you what, for us... Cardiff, Wednesday and Millwall would be a bottom of that league. The play acting, the hoof and hope balls, no real identity. Um, terrible to play against, the time wasting, the diving. Some of those players could be nominated yet for an Oscar and are in a real chance of winning it, you know. Absolutely. Now, on the other side of the table, teams that we've enjoyed playing against and whether we got the result or not are the teams that are playing football like we like to play football on the floor and playing it, I suppose, in the old-fashioned way. And for us, Brentford, Reading and Rotherham are the three teams that are playing it um, as it is um, as it was for us. So, yeah, we've got a, a Thursday evening match live on the BBC against Chelsea, fifth round of the FA Cup. And whilst that is a bit of a, a bonus um, fixture, the next match in the league is, is the important one, isn't it? Um, Brentford, you'll remember early on the season, I believe in November, uh, you came to Oakwell and... It, it wasn't a fantastic match. Well, not for us anyway. And we had three shots and, and, and only one was really on target. And I think things might be different this time around. I think you will see a, a different Barnsley with Ismael having the, the, the signings that he wanted. And, and some of the players, Styles on, on one wing, Callum Britton on the other wing, are really, really coming into their own. But it's going to be hard because while ever you've got the attacking threat that Brentford's got, Tony in particular, you need a defence that is solid. And what Barnsley have done is they've invested in their defence. Sol Bauer, who wasn't ever present towards the end of last season, um, has sort of found his way out of the team a little bit. And Toby Civic, who played reasonably well for us last season, was sent out on loan to KV Ostend in Belgium. They have the same owners as us. As us. He never got one minute of football. So Valerian Ismail recalled him. He had a look at him and he liked him that much. He put him straight in, in the centre of the fence. And with the defence of Helic, Anderson and Toby Sibic, 
we're doing okay. I think Halleck is still the one defender that's not been dribbled against so far. And the number of headers that both Halleck and Anderson win um, makes our defence more solid than it has been before. And that gives us a chance. But as always, I think this match will be won or lost in midfield. So we know we've still got Alex Mowat. And he'll be partnered either by Herbie Kane. That's a big money signing at the beginning of the season from Liverpool, who was yet to really show that value and that money that we've paid for him. Or Romal Palmer, who's a Manchester City graduate, uh, played with us for a, for a couple of years and just starting to find his, his way in the first team. Uh, suffered an injury, so it, it, it's hoping that he'll come back. But, of course, all eyes will be up front. Who will be playing up front for Barnsley? We know Coley Woodrow, his name is cemented up there. Uh, regularly playing with him are Adebayejo, Connor Chaplin, Dominic Freezer. But now, of course, we have new signings. Will Daryl DK make his league first league appearance? Will Carlton Morris get that start in those 90 minutes that he so desperately needs? And it'll be an interesting one, because if we see that attacking threat that Barnsley have now got, and we see it on... Um, in a way that is effective by playing on playing the ball on the floor, playing through midfield, pass and move and at high intensity and not allowing Brentford much time on the ball, it's going to be tight. Listen, we've not played well against teams in the top division. I know that. Um, both Forrest and Cardiff, uh, Cardiff match especially was, was a draw. So I'm going for a 1-1. I think you will score, but I think we might just get the equaliser and at least get a point. And that for Barnsley, in a way, is an improvement. It's an improvement to play against a top-five team and then take a point from it. And it gives us something to build on, doesn't it? Listen, as always, mate, I wish you, your fans, everybody connected with Brentford the best of luck, not only for uh, you know the match coming up, but for the whole season. I hope you all stay safe, keep your distance, let's get rid of this virus, and let's all together, as football fans hope, that at the start of the 2021-2022 stadium, we can see you either at our ground or you come down to Ogwell, which could be for a, a cup match, couldn't it? Because you could well find yourself in the Premier League and let's all have a pint together. As always, it's been great talking to you. Up the Reds, I go for a 1-1 draw, but I know one thing. Brentford will probably go one step further than they did at the end of last season. So that was Carlo from the Reds Report podcast and he is feeling fairly confident, it has to be said. Favourite Dutchman, he hasn't got a clue. Why would you listen to anything else he says with any sense of confidence when he thinks he's the favourite Dutchman? Um, he actually sounds less like a Dutchman than I do anyway with that accent. Um, but but interesting <laughs> that he's got a little bit of confidence and, and swagger, um, which, which is good. Um, I'm sure some of that is a bit of bravado. They'll be clearly watching um, what we've done over the last few weeks with great interest. Um, and hopefully at the end of the season we'll thank them for for what they did to us last season to allow us to go up better and stronger this year just as we did after the Trotter uh, many years ago Who's your favourite Liberal? Who's my favourite Liberal? What, between you and, 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 and the Liberal Tom? Well, we've got two Dutchmen Who's your favourite Liberal? Uh, you put me on the spot now, didn't you? <laughs> I, 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 lo- I love you both Equally the same. <laughs> Thank you. No, but you, I'll tell you something. But you, of course, because you're the original liberal, it's almost like having a fine wine that you've put up, in, you know, down in your cellar for 30 years. You know that when it comes up, it's going to taste real good. So it's got an extra quality to it, you know. Whereas uh, the, the new liberal, he's a young liberal. He's fresh and sprightly, you know. But you know, listen, if it comes down to maturity, there's only one liberal. Thank you. Move on. <laughs> 
But anyway, listen, so the Dutch winner's talking about, you know, um, Carlo, who is very, very excited. And uh, he was very excited about the match coming up. And like I said to you, we were all excited as well. Uh, I mean, Barnsley coming to, to Griffin Park, looking at what they're about. You know, they're good at stealing the ball from the opposition, creating long shot opportunities, coming back from losing positions. They're all very good at that. What they're not so good at is avoiding individual errors and also keeping possession of the ball. So again, you, you can see where the, the strengths there and the weaknesses there and what we can actually kind of, uh, we can actually just kind of just zoom in. Can't you see that, the Dutchman? Yeah, Billy, we've left Griffin Park, mate. I hate to break it to you. It's a new Griffin Park. Um, but we're actually at the community stadium now. Yeah, clearly, clearly they've, they've, they're in a good place and they're, I, I'd be delighted to see someone like Barnsley establish themselves um, in this league and, and bring some, some new teams uh, into it, uh, along with all the traditional names. I mean, they, they were a big team once upon a time, of course, uh, like many of them, but not so much in recent years. Um, but I think it'll be... Uh, a, a game that suits us. I, I just think we're, we're geared up now to play all sorts of teams, um, and he will rotate the team again. I'm sure. I doubt we'll get the same starting lineup as tonight, um, but I think we'll be well placed to deal with whatever Barnsley throw at us, uh, and ideally not with a, a one-goal deficit within the first few minutes, um, as, as in recent weeks. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the game on Sunday. Uh, happy Valentine's Day <laughs> I forgot about that <laughs> cheers, cheers for the reminder Dutch actually as people start running out and getting their moon pigs ordered like you know but um, but uh, the, uh, the LR I mean this team we have to remember what they did to us at the back end of last season we come out of a magnificent run we were playing Barnsley, who were pretty much relegated on the final day of the season. Yes, we were all meant to be there. We were all very excited. We thought we were going to be on the pitch and we were going to be celebrating promotion. Came to that final game. All we needed to do was, well, we needed to win, but I think possibly even get a point. I can't even remember. I think we could have just got a point and we'd have been all right. And we fluffed it, but we didn't really fluff it because Barnsley came down and I, I thought that they were really good and they gave us a really good game and they absolutely super pressed us and caused us to make mistakes and just didn't allow us to do what we were to do and they got the three points in the end now Barnsley this season I've learned from that and they're even better than Barnsley of next season so this game could be even trickier than the last two or three games that we had in it yeah I mean they were playing for their lives that day and and sometimes that can you know that can go either way can't it sometimes you can sort of freeze or sometimes you can perform at a level that maybe not even you knew you could and they were exceptional that day um, I think we I think to be honest the Stoke game probably did us more damage when it if we're honest but um, it my feeling is is that to be honest I, I look at, I'm looking at the Sunday game a bit differently and I don't mean this disrespectful to Barnsley but I, we've got another run of, at the moment of I think three maybe four more weeks of Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, and I reckon we might see a few more sort of changes on on Sunday. I think we're going to have to start because remember we're playing QPR on the Wednesday as well. That's only a couple of days rest, so I, I think I think we'll probably rotate a bit this weekend. Um, albeit the options are relatively limited because we still got Marcondes missing in action. Norgard isn't back yet, um, so may, maybe there isn't so much rotation he could do, but. I, I think we will rotate a little bit somewhere here and there. 
um, and, um, and you know, hope that we'll still be the best team on the day. The Liberal, I mean, Barnsley coming down, in principle, Brentford should beat them. And I'm saying this not because it seems like Barnsley or anything like that. It's, you know, we've learned a lot from last season. We fluffed a few games last season that we shouldn't have fluffed. This season, we seem to have this resilience. We seem to have this team spirit thing going on. Even when we go behind, we seem to come back. And like I said to you, today was for me, today was a prime example where I thought, actually, it looks like we're going to lose our winning run today. Fair play, we lose this one and we move on. But we didn't do. And it seems to be that we're that team where when we were two or three or four or five places below years ago, we'd look up to the team that's up there and we go, Christ almighty, they've done it again. How have they done it again? We seem to be that team that season. So that has got something about it when we go into this game which means that some of the things that might have happened last season like when us letting in them goals against Barnsley against us losing possession and then we you know going behind and not getting back again we might not see that in this game what do you think the Liberal? Well I mean it's difficult to know really because Barnsley of course had the last weekend off um, their match against Derby was uh, called off because of a waterlogged pitch um, they weren't on a very good run of form before that. I mean, they they lost to Watford, they lost to Swansea. Um, both of those, well, they lost to Swansea at home and they lost to Watford away. Um, they lost to they beat Norwich in the in the cup, but I I no idea what what teams either to Norwich or or Barnsley put out in those ones. Barnsley are a, one of those teams that I spoke earlier in this podcast about, you know, changing managers and, and whatever. And it's quite clear. There was an interesting article about them in The Athletic today. don't know whether you saw it uh, today being Wednesday, which was quite They're obviously trying the, to, to build the same formula as Brentford. I mean, they, they actually do have the original money ball um, guy called Billy Bean, who was director of uh, baseball manager of uh, the Oakland can't remember what Oakland A's. Oakland A's, thank you. And um, you know, he he took the Oakland A's to a World Championship, World Series uh, title by by actually playing the stats and doing all the moneyball stuff that we saw about in there was a good film about it too. And he is on the board of directors at Barnsley and it's clear that the uh, Chinese owners of Barnsley are prepared to to invest in the long term for building up something they they they're another team that scout for players around the world buy them up cheap hope to sell them on expensive. Um the the one change they have is that they do go through managers quicker than 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 Brentford do and uh, and that again is where the floor is because it doesn't give time to build a style I think we're probably meeting Barnsley at the right time I think um the the, the Dutchman from Barnsley might be right is that as a long-term project they could be on an upward slope um hopefully it won't start with uh, beating us on Sunday I you know, full respect to them, full respect to what they did to us last year. But at the moment, it would be hard-pressed. I'd be hard-pressed to say that they're going to walk away with anything but a defeat on on Sunday. Just just quick point. You talked about the Chinese owner of Barnsley. Did you know that the Chinese owner of Barnsley actually uh, wanted to buy Brentford? I don't know if you know that. Do you remember that story from a few years ago? I do, and funnily enough, I can't. I don't know why, but I was actually in the Novotel in Brentford um, the morning of a game. I think it might have been. We might have had a besotted social or something the night before, and I was, you know, and I was staying up, um, and so 
you know, got got a room in the Novotel or something overnight. And the Chinese owner of Barnsley was spotted in the foyer of the Novotel in, in Brentford having a chat with one or two characters. Um, but obviously nothing came of it um and um all all to the good but i do remember i do yeah i do remember that story yeah but um, wasn't he wasn't he wasn't he offered a smaller share than he wanted he wanted a larger share share of the club than we than we were prepared to offer him wasn't he i think i think the investigation well this investigation is one of our uh, one of our hong kong posse actually is out there who did quite a lot of digging work and actually kind of a reported back and uh yeah there's a little bit of info where you know at the time as brimford you know like I said, you know, they'll be happy if somebody wanted to, you know, to, 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 to probably to put money in to actually help us take us to even a next level. They'll be happy to. But obviously that figure has to be a certain amount. And uh, I think that, you know, whatever they wanted to pay probably wasn't the right amount of money that we uh, valued ourselves at. So I think they went to Barnsley and offered like about a tenth of the money and actually got the whole club for the, for the same amount. Like, you know, so, uh, you know, I think that's kind of where it came off. So it probably goes to show you where we valued ourselves as opposed to where Barnsley valued themselves at the time. And I think at that time they were in the championship, but then they got relegated, went back down to Division 1, but they came straight back up again. So anyway, but that's a little bit of a deviation there, <laughs> um, talking about Barnsley. I mean, Barnsley, like I said to you, coming down on Sunday... Um, good side um, like I said they've got some good players you know they've got players like you know as, uh, as, as Carlo was talking about uh, Corley Woodrow who can cause problems you know, Connor Chaplin you know can cause problems they've got the new Kike guys come over from States who we've got no idea what he's going to be like as well you know so um, he's a striker that's come over from Orlando from the MLS as well they signed him on deadline day you know like I said to you they've got some good players there obviously Ethan Pinnock was a Barnsley player as well. You know, he came out of, uh, um, yeah, he came out of the Barnsley little setup there as well. So, like I said to you, we've got a lot of, they've got a lot of good players there. You know, which is uh, which is good. So it's going to cause us, they, they will cause us problems, Dutchman. Like, I mean, I've asked you about this before, but nervous? Are you are you okay about this one? I mean, the fact that we we are where we are now, and you've seen what we can do, does it does it really matter, or do we just relax now? No, I don't think this side will relax. I think if anything goes wrong on Sunday, it won't be due to relaxing or overconfidence that we're top of the league or anything like that. Um, you know, clearly the run will end at some point. Uh, perhaps, perhaps it won't. Um, but I don't think we'll we'll struggle for preparation or getting things right. You know, we we will do the right things in the right way um, as we do for every game. Um, I, I, I agree with Matt. I, th- I think there will be one or two changes, but you know we, we know the rotation now, and we know which changes those are likely to be. Uh, and I still think we're going to be a very, very difficult proposition for for Barnsley to break down on Sunday. The, the Allard, I'm just going to say, I'm just looking a little bit ahead. You talked about we got QPR on Wednesday, all right? So we've got these two games, and a no listen. We've got teach each team as it comes, but. We're going to have to sacrifice something to ensure that we keep going on. Now, there's Barnsley and there's QPR. You know, if there was one game that you had to win and one game that you had to lose, you know, by basically which players that you put in, you know, which one would you kind of sort of slightly weaken the side, you know, or try to get the balance out? Which one do you... No, I just think, I just think on... All I'm saying is on Sunday, I think you could potentially... God also, I reckon, will start and Jensen or De Silva will get rested... Um, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if Rosled gets a game and Dalsgaard gets rested. 
Um, and I do, I, I'm not really sure what we're going to do with Reed. I don't think we're going to throw him in for a full game, but he's going to get some time at some point. Otherwise, when we do have to throw, otherwise when we do have to throw him in for a full game, he won't have played. So he, he's going to have to get some minutes somewhere. So I think they're probably the potential changes. And obviously, any one of the three, Canos and Bremo and um, and Fosu, you know, to pick, pick any two of those three will play. Um, so that's kind of what I'm thinking. We'll, we'll see. I'm going to go around the table here because everyone, they seem to want to suck their beers, drink up their wines, celebrate number one and then move on. I'm going to ask you for a score prediction around the table. I'm going to go, first of all, down to the West Country. Liberal Nick. Oh, dear. Uh, I thought you were going to ask me about who I want to beat, Barnsley or QPR. Uh, I want us to beat Barnsley 2-0. And between Barnsley and QPR, which one would you go for if you only had one? I'd go for QPR. Why? Because QPR. You don't need to ask why, do you? <laughs> the Dutchman. Um, I will go for a confident 3-0 win uh, against Barnsley and I want us to beat both of them. Uh, of course, we all want us to beat both. I won't fall into the trap no but what if you can't you've got to juggle the players so that you've got you get the maximum the maximum for the whole season Dutch but I think the difference is now that it doesn't massively weaken our team when we make these changes you know that that really is the difference with this squad that you know none of the changes that Matt's alluded to and that we all think might happen will will greatly weaken the team in the way that it did in the past um, so I don't think you're making that decision anymore as to whether you're sacrificing one game for another or, or putting one game more at risk than the other. I think you're carefully managing those players to ensure that we win both those games. So you've spilled a load of words so that you can't actually give an answer. Is that right, Dutchman? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> you make a good politician, Dutchman. I've learned from the best, Nick. <laughs> yeah, lad. I, I think what we found out this season is that um, you don't have to pick your necessarily best 11 players to win games um, we've seen Godos playing in two of the last three games I think um, and we've 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 won both of those and a lot of people wouldn't have had him near the first 11 at times this season so I don't you know there'll, there'll be some rotation but I don't think it necessarily means we're particularly weaker or particularly strong with it I think the rotation is a bit more limited at the moment than it than it maybe was couple of months ago when we had a full fully fit squad with likes of Pontus being fit etc um, but so yeah I, I if so I, I'm going to rephrase the question if you're asking me which game do I really want to win it's the QPR game um, but that doesn't mean that we should you know take the Barnsley game easy in any which way um, and if you want my goal score my score prediction for Sunday um, I think I, I, I don't think we're going to keep spanking these sides I think at some point, the law of averages say we're going to have a, a tight game on goals. Um, so I'm going to go 1-0 Brentford. Okay. And for me, 1-0 to the Bees on Saturday, on Sunday. And like I said to you, I keep saying... 1-0. Oh, 1-0. One all. Oh, one all. Oh. I'm going to go 1-0 mm. just because I just think the okay. rotation and I just think that, you know, it's going to get the stage and Barnes are going to come down there. So 1-0. And I'm also saying that because I keep saying this, as long as we keep on not losing... Is a mentality we just keep on not losing. So we we go one all and we get the game that we want to. So we can go in that QPR game and get the result. Because for me, 
the game that I would rather win out of the two if I had to would be the QPR match. So it's almost like sort of conserve ourselves, get the result we need to now so that we end up beating QPR, which is what I would very much like to happen on Wednesday because you know that if we get lose to Barnsley, we, you don't get nearly as much flack as if we lost to QPR. So uh... <laughs> to be honest, I, I think it's a fair point. I, I think it's unlikely we win both of those games just based on where we are currently, how many games we've, we've, what have we won, four on the spin? Do you win, you know, winning six is, is getting close to where we went last season and, and everybody said, you know, we're never going to repeat that again. So I think there's a good chance that we don't win both of these games. Um, so I think it's fair enough to say, let's just beat QPR and all right, I'll take a draw against Barnsley. <laughs> and also I want to say as well, Fosu, I mean, we'll flip the flats a little bit, but Fosu, um, Every league game that Fosu has started, we have won. Or oh, we haven't lost. I think it was beforehand, it was every game that we started. But then after, we, I think there was a cup game that he, that he sort of started and we, we end up losing. Probably probably the Tottenham game, wasn't it? In, in these days of five subs, we could send Fosu on, play him for 10 minutes and then sub him off, couldn't we? You know, give him the rest that he needs. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's, a, it's one of those ones where you can, you know, you can make statistics say what you want because you can't argue that we won tonight. <laughs> you, 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 can't argue that um, you can't argue that we won tonight's game because of Fosu even though it kept the record going because obviously it was one all when he came off. Dear listener, just remember what the Allard said. You can make the statistics display anything. And with that, we probably ought to wrap it I up. I think Bill, we're going to wrap know? it up. Yeah. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. This is the fourth, well, I'll say the fourth, the first time that we've actually done a foursome for absolute ages, probably since we did the pub last, actually. So it's been really good to have four faces, four heads, four characters in the virtual joint with us this time I've very much enjoyed myself. I've very much enjoyed being top of the league. I've very much loved talking about being top of the league, chatting with the chums, reviewing the match, looking forward to Saturday's match. I'm looking for Sunday's match. I'm looking forward to this match at the weekend against um, Barnsley. Like I said to you, I'm not used to getting these Sunday games in as well. And like I said to you, listen, we just got to keep on going. This team at the moment now, they are so good. They are so resilient. They are so together. I'm very proud to be a Brentford fan at the moment now. People are watching us and they're saying to us, tell you something, mate, that team is something else. We are looking very, very good. Fingers crossed we don't get any injuries. Fingers crossed we can keep it together. There's not that long to go now. And listen, if we just carry on doing half of what we're doing now, I really do feel that we are going to do it. So on that rousing note, as I get off my soapbox, I'm going to get my chums in here. We're all going to... Drop a glass of wine, get some beer. But what do you say as we come to the Barnsley at the weekend? What do you say? Come on, come you bees. on, you bees. Bees. Come on, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.